the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Instantly. Message and The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Remember how Jesus told us, Beware that false Christs will arise. The implication of the text is that Timothy was already living in the last days. And this religious deception and resistance to the truth is a preview of things to come. If it was the last days then, how much more is it the last days now? Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. If you've read Revelation, you know that the world as we know it is going to end. But as we worry about today's immediate concerns, such turbulent times can seem far off. So today, Philip continues a series in 2 Timothy, reminding us that we're in the last days now. Opening to chapter 3, Philip explains the signs of the times and the apostasy that ushers in the great apostasy. Today's message is titled, Danger Ahead. Don't you remember the TV series Lost in Space? It was the story of the Robinsons and how they survived a horrendous crash and they were working furiously to get back to Earth. There was the Robinson family, there was the pilot, there was this troublesome stowaway, and there was the robot. The robot that looked like a garbage can with a glass lamp on its head. You remember one of the little phrases of that TV series was, Danger, danger, danger. Well, Robinson, danger. Well, as we come to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, the Apostle Paul is saying, Danger, Timothy, danger. Because there lies ahead of Timothy a time that indeed will pose as a threat to the welfare of the church and the purity of the gospel. There was danger ahead for young Timothy, the church, and the gospel. And the striking thing is, as we'll see in the passage we're about to expound together, the danger does not come from censorship outside the church, but compromise inside the church. The threat to the gospel and the church and Timothy's ministry is empty religion liberal theology that will act like a cancer in the body of Christ. There is a form of godliness that will infect the church, but it will deny the very power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit behind that gospel. It is striking, isn't it, to realize that the gospel's greatest threat will not come from confirmed pagans or hostile governments, but from false religious teachers who resist God. They have a form of godliness, 
but they deny its power. According to verse 8, they are men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, having resisted the truth. We need to be alert to the fact that the dark underworld has gone undercover in the church. I hope you know this, that the devil has always tried to beat the church by joining the church. He's a deceiver. He comes in the guise of an angel of light. He will prove indeed to be a threat to the church from within the church by using false teachers and teaching as spiritual saboteurs. Listen to Vance Havner. The temple of truth has never suffered so much from woodpeckers on the outside as from termites on the inside. Listen to William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. That's the danger that lies ahead. And we're going to see it worked out before us here in 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 9. Now let's just get our bearings a little bit. Let's put our tax within the context. There's a clear and present danger every day for the church. And this cancer of false teaching and teachers will quickly and clearly metastasize in the last days. And so Paul writes to Timothy and reminds him of his need to be brave and vigilant in the face of this ever-present threat of theological confusion and compromise. And that wasn't going to be easy for him because his natural tendency was to timidity. That wasn't going to be easy for him because he was about to lose the handrail that was Paul himself, his father in the faith. This wasn't going to be easy because he saw how Paul had been treated as a messenger of the gospel. He's now in chains, although the Word of God is not chained. It wasn't going to be easy because perilous times were coming. And so Paul writes in this last letter to encourage his little friend to be brave and to be vigilant and to know that the last days will be marked by religious deception and delusion. So let's come and look at this passage. There's three things, the alert, the apostasy, the avoidance. Let's look at the alert. Back to verse 1. Notice the conjunction, which is a mild adversative in the Greek. But know this. But signals a turn in the text, a change of direction. Having ended his last train of thought on an optimistic note, that perhaps God will bring those who oppose the gospel to repentance. At the end of chapter 2, we read that. Paul now proceeds to add a dose of realism for Timothy's sake. He wants Timothy to know what he's about to face, to prepare himself for difficult days. He alerts him to that fact, that the prevailing mood inside and outside the church will be one of opposition to the gospel. Just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so leaders within the church will resist the truth. If you scroll down to verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That will be the prevailing mood. And Timothy must be alert and alive to that fact. But know this. 
It's quite a dramatic little phrase. It's a present active imperative. Timothy, you need to listen to what I'm about to say. We hold out hope that God in His mercy would grant repentance to those that don't know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. But you know what? I need to remind you that always won't be the case. That may not materialize in the way and in the numbers that we would like. Therefore, you need to be realistic. It's going to be tough sledding in the ministry. The context in which you will preach the Word of God will be one where you'll face resistance and refusal. In fact, in the good old days, back in the time when in school your headmaster could wallop you, I went to a high school in Belfast that the teacher could get away with almost anything. And he would often come around and if he felt you weren't listening, he would grab you by the locks of your hair. I remember one day I was mucking around in the classroom, wasn't listening, and Mr. Houston comes along, grabs me by the locks on my hair, pulls me up, and speaks into my ear, are you getting this, De Corsi? <laughs> well, I wasn't, but I can tell you, I started to get it from that <laughs> moment forward. It's old school stuff, but it worked. And that's what Paul's saying here to Timothy. Do you get this, Timothy? Perilous times will come. The minister and the message will be vehemently opposed. One of the commentators says this, Paul does not want Timothy to be naive about the difficulty that the spirit of the age presents to his ministry. There's two things in terms of this alert. Number one, the times, and number two, the threat. Having talked about false teachers and false teaching, Paul now sets it in a wider context of a eschatological fulfillment. Remember how Jesus told us in the Olivet Discourse, speaking of the time of the tribulation leading up to his return in power and glory, that beware the false Christ will arise. We're going to see in 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 9 to 12 that there will be a great falling away and then that man of sin will be revealed. And the ministry of the Antichrist in the last days will be marked by signs and lying wonders. In the last days, religious deception and delusion will mark the tribulation period leading up to the coming of Jesus Christ. And Paul sets Timothy's ministry into that kind of context because he wants him to know that the last days will be marked by false teachers and teaching culminating in the Antichrist, the false prophet, and lying wonders. And Timothy was living an aspect of that future in the present because the times in which he lived were the last days. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. The implication of the text is that Timothy was already living in the last days. And this religious deception and resistance to the truth is a preview of things to come. Now, You need to make a distinction. The last days are not only the days immediately preceding Jesus' second coming. They are profoundly that, but they are not only that. Technically speaking, the last days stretch from the beginning of Jesus' first coming to the beginning of his second coming. I'll give you two verses that will reinforce that. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. In former times, God spoke in various manner through the prophets and men of God. But in what? 
these last days he has spoken by his Son. When Jesus was speaking, we were in the last days. 1 John 2 verse 18, children, it is the last time and many antichrists are to be found in the world. The last days will intensify nevertheless, like birth pains do before a delivery. So men will indeed go from worse to worse, being deceived and deceiving. So the times are the last days. Timothy, do you understand where you are on the prophetic clock? It's the last days, and perilous times will come. And it's a good question to ask ourselves at any point. Where are we on the prophetic clock? Well, this was written almost 2,000 years ago. And maybe we would borrow the words of Paul in Romans 13, 11 to 14, that our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. If it was the last days then, how much more is it the last days now? The countdown is getting closer every day. We used to sing a little chorus when I was a boy in Sunday school, the countdown's getting closer every day. Ten and nine, eight and seven, six and five and four, call upon the Savior while you may. Three and two, coming through the clouds with bright array. The countdown's getting lower every day. It is. And therefore, with Paul, we should wake up and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Look, let's understand the time we're in. It's the last days. And we may very well be in the last of the last days. Wasn't it said of the tribe of Issachar, they understood the times in which they were and what they had to do? So that's the times, the threat. According to the aged and about to be martyred Paul, the last days will be perilous. That's the threat fraught with danger, marked by menace. In fact, it's interesting, this word perilous is only to be found one other time. It's used in Matthew 8, verse 28. It describes the savage and violent nature of the demon-possessed man. In extant Greek, the famous Greek writer Plutarch used this word to describe an ugly, infected, and dangerous wound. So the last days will be marked by savagery, difficulty, peril, violence, satanic activity. Notice the phrase times, perilous times. It's interesting to realize that the Greek word is kairos, not chronos. Two Greek words for time in the New Testament. Chronos carries the idea of linear time, one moment leading to another moment, minutes turning into hours, hours turning into days, days turning into weeks in a linear fashion, one after another. But that's not the word Paul uses here. He uses kairos, which carries the idea of times within time, seasons, epics. That's the word he uses, not clock time or calendar time. He's speaking about certain times within time. And in this case, it's of apostasy leading to great apostasy before the revealing of the Antichrist. Dangerous and deceptive movements will accumulate throughout church history and crest towards the end time. Putting it all together, Paul is telling us 
that the last days won't be uniformly evil, but will be punctuated by repeated and repetitive cycles of ugly, dangerous, wild times. And Timothy needs to brace himself for those times. In fact, one of those times was emerging during this time. There was a cycle of persecution that was about to unfold in the life of the church. Paul would lose his life, as would others. And so Paul is reminding Timothy, you're living in the last days, Timothy. The last days were inaugurated at the coming of Jesus Christ. And between his first coming and his second coming, there will be repeated cycles of apostasy and anarchy and apathy, all leading to the manifestation of the man of sin, the greatest evidence of apostasy and anarchy in human history. And so Timothy was to brace himself for those challenging times. He was to be a good soldier who could endure hardship. Remember, he says that back in chapter 2 and verse 3. Because truth will be savaged, the gospel will be attacked, and preachers will be persecuted. That's the point. So that's the alert. But before we leave it, let me just kind of wrap it up with a kind of illustration of what we're talking about here. And it comes from the life of Ignatius, one of the great leaders of the early church. He was a friend and a companion of the apostle John. He was a bishop of Antioch. He led the church in Antioch, Syria for many years and was arrested by the Roman government. There's no record of why they arrested him. No charges were indeed filed. His arrest remains a mystery. We do know that he was led away in chains from Antioch to Rome. He wrote a letter back to the church in Ephesus about his harsh treatment, although God gave him much grace because he calls his chains my spiritual jewels. His trial was a mockery, his conviction an injustice. He faced horrible tortures. Finally, in AD 107, he was led to the Colosseum and threw to wild beasts to be mauled to death. In his letter to the Ephesians, listen to his words just before his death. He wrote this, The last days are here. Let our lot be genuine life in Jesus Christ. Do not let anything catch your eye beside him. It's a good word to them. It's a good word to us. So that's the alert. Secondly, we've got the apostasy. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then he goes on to describe an apostasy. You see, according to the Apostle Paul, the menace is man and the peril is people. Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. For men will be lovers of money. For men will be lovers of pleasure rather than of God. The issue is what men will do. It is the actions and the attitudes of men that will bring about this era of peril and savagery on the earth and towards the church. Man is not the solution. Never has been, never will be. Man is not the solution. The problem man has is himself. And the people in question here, interestingly, are of a religious flavor. One writer calls them theological creeps because they creep into houses and they find unstable women and they make them captives to their false teaching. And so we are dealing with 
theological creeps. That's who's being described here. We tend to look at this passage, and we tend to generalize it, and we tend to throw it in the direction of society at large. But the men that are being described here are theological creeps, religious imposters. This is apostasy inside the church. What's being described here is the world inside the church. My friend Mark Hitchcock explains this in his book, The Coming Apostasy. We need to recognize that the conditions or symptoms described in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 13 are conditions within the visible church. Obviously, the kinds of sins listed here have always been prevalent in society at large. That's nothing new. The shocking thing here is that the sins of the culture become the sins of the church. It's one thing for the boat to be in the water. It's another thing for the water to be in the boat. It's one thing for the church to be in the world. It's another thing for the world to be in the church. Unregenerate society has always looked like this, but when the church starts to look like this, we're in perilous times. Mark goes on to quote Don Carson. This appearance of godliness can have many different shapes. It may be fine liturgy, or it may be a lot of exuberant noise. It may bubble over into a lot of fluent God talk. What is missing, however, is the transforming power of the gospel that actually changes the lives of people. There's a form of godliness described here, but it denies the power of the gospel. And so what we're dealing with here is the apostasy that will take place in the church. There's three things about this apostasy and the leaders that will bring it about. One, their conduct. Two, their creed. Three, their converts. Look at their conduct. This is verses 2 through 4. What Paul's describing here in these 19 characteristics are the false teachers who will make up the unregenerate church, and they will spread their false teaching like a cancer, which we read about in chapter 2. In these 19 traits, we have men who profess godliness, but their lives belie a lack of love for God. They are lovers of themselves. They are lovers of money. They are lovers of pleasure. They are not lovers of God, but they're in the ministry. They're in the church. You'll find them in clerical robes. They'll carry Bibles. They'll sing hymns but their life will belie the lie that they love God. And you'll see it in their conduct. And this catalog of corrupting conduct is bracketed by the thought that they love themselves rather than God. That's a modern commentary that should fuel us to make the most of every opportunity to proclaim the gospel while there's still time. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. You can share these messages with others when you visit us online at ktt.org. Download individual broadcasts for free or order the complete series on CD. Our study in 2 Timothy is titled, Without Apology. And if you're new to Know the Truth, we want to send you a welcome gift. It's a set of three messages from our current series offering biblical principles for leadership development. More than ever, we need godly men and women to step up and lead. Request the free CD sermon online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. As a listener to Know the Truth, you're someone who values truth and puts it into practice. 
Another way you can share God's truth with others is by partnering with us to keep Know the Truth on the air and on the Internet. Make a one-time gift today, or better yet, become one of our Truth Ambassadors. These faithful friends give a regular monthly donation to ensure that Know the Truth reaches more people in more cities. Join the team when you sign up online at ktt.org or call us at 888-644-8811. And in appreciation of your generous support, Philip has picked out a resource to help you follow Jesus' lead. It's a book by another friend of Philip's, Ray Pritchard, who teamed up with author Bob Briner to present a timeless model for today's leaders. Their book, The Leadership Lessons of Jesus, shows you how our Savior led and inspired His followers while calling them to see greatness in every day. Request The Leadership Lessons of Jesus when you give online at ktt.org or by calling 888-644-8811. Glad you could be with us today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow for more Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. witnesses angels at a dangerous car crash a man is healed on his deathbed and given another chance to live two christian pastors perform an exorcism on a psychic possessed by demons a man thought his baby died until the impossible happened these miracles are true and are chronicled in the first book of a new series when god happens true stories of modern day miracles when god happens is compiled and edited by best-selling authors angela hunt and bill myers Hunt and Myers came together to remind Christians God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has not turned his back on us or left us to our own devices. If you have an exciting miracle you'd like to see shared in the next edition of When God Happens, visit the website at whengodhappens.com. Get your copy now of best-selling authors Angela Hunt and Bill Myers' miraculous new book, When God Happens, True Stories of Modern-Day Miracles. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. MyPillow.com Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.